Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Doing a series called "It's About Time," and the reason why I, I call it "About Time" because it's about time that the Apostle Paul says, "By this time, you should be teachers." By this time, which I haven't even re- received that released that word yet, but uh, or you should be um, you should grow and. It's a, it's a message or series on spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, character development. Um, and I want to say today um, something very powerful when it comes to the Lord's desire to grow us. Say grow us. How many know that the Lord's desire to grow us or the Lord's method or process to grow us may not necessarily be our method to grow us, and it may not feel like we want it to feel. But nevertheless, his intentions are always good. Now, James chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to start in verse 1. I know I told you verse 2. Zach, I love you, Zach. You're the man. Everybody say amen. All right. Now, now we're a Holy Spirit-filled church, so I give you permission to say amen, preach it, glory to God, be alive, amen. I, I give you permission to do that. But let the Holy Spirit speak to you because I'm really serious. This is a prophetic message for some of you. All right. James, a bondservant of God and, and the, out of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Now look how he starts his greeting, okay? This is very prophetic here. My brethren, count it all joy <laughs> when you fall into various trials. This is not, a, this is not the, great, uh, the great expectancy that you feel when you say count it all joy. Because you think, count on our joy, you're about to get a blessing. Count on our joy, you're about to inherit money. Count on our joy, you're about to be promoted. He said, count it all joy when you, watch this, when you fall into various trials. Say trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith, watch this, I'm going to say this slowly, produces patience. Say patience. Out of all the fruits of the Spirit, that's probably the least desired in the flesh. Because the fruit of the Spirit of joy, it feels good. The fruit of the Spirit of peace feels good. The fruit of the Spirit of patience means the crucifixion of your flesh. And it doesn't feel good all the time. But yet, this is part of maturity. Now, listen to this. This is, pre- this is pretty key here. The trials increase your faith. Test your faith. Trials. Say trials. Test your faith and produces patience. Watch this now. Verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work in you. That word perfect in another translation means mature. That means ending or mature. Let patience have its mature work. Watch this. Mature work in you that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or that person suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's, this is, a, this is a, a, a rough verse. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Can I hear an amen? 
Now, I want to give you a little, bit, a little Bible lesson, a little history lesson, so you can understand where I'm going through and put everything in context here. The, 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 the author of this book, hear me very carefully because I'm going somewhere with this, is James, the brother of Jesus, not James, the son of Zebedee, one of the disciples. A lot of people confuse that. According to history and according to many theologians, the writer of this book, James, was the brother, the younger brother of Jesus after Jesus obviously was born of the Holy Spirit, but then afterwards Mary and Joseph obviously had, had some kids. Do you follow me? So there's a reason why I'm starting with this. I want you to get the analogy of the James, the, the, the younger brother of Jesus. James grew up with the Son of God as his older brother. Now, now I want you to hear why I'm saying this. Because other than Mary and Joseph, James got to see Jesus in a light that nobody else saw Jesus. He saw Jesus outside of ministry. Come on, church. He saw Jesus outside of church attendance. He saw Jesus eating at the dinner table and how he responded to correction. He saw Jesus as a brother, as a family, the Son of God. He saw him, and he studied him for years because he heard the stories from his mom. You know, your brother is the Son of God. Can you imagine that? You better be good to your brother. He's the Son of God. <laughs> like when you're fighting with toys, like he could zap you in a minute. <laughs> you think it's mine? He owns everything, so just be kind to him, okay? Now, why do I say that? Because... The reason I say that is you have to understand be, being a studier of Jesus as, in a very close quarter as a family, the first thing that James decides to write in his book is the very first verse and second verse is about trials and tribulation and the need for that for growth. He says in a, in a nonchalant way, if I saw and studied the Holy Son of God go through various trials because I saw him in my private time. I saw him leading up to the time where God crowned him with the anointing. And at 30 years old, he started his ministry. Could you imagine what Jesus was like at 27? You, you, you really don't know. Could you imagine what he was like at 28? Right before, I mean, just fully mature Son of God. And then at 30 years old, he launched his ministry for about three and a half years and changed the world. Why do I say this? Because, because he realized and he came to a conclusion that if the Holy Son of God, watch this now, it's going to help you, had to go through intense, fiery trials of him growing up and seeing all the trials that a Holy Son of God goes through, he concluded that there was a purpose for humanity when they go through fiery trials and afflictions and tribulations. There's a purpose is not for, for us to... to um, see how bad we are or how bad God is when we're going through trials, you have to realize that James is an action man. If you study the book of James, by the way, if you ever want to read a book on spiritual maturity, James is a slap in the face for you because according to theologians, there's about 108 verses in the whole book of James, in the five chapters, and 54 of those verses are straight commands. There's very little doctrine in the book of James, like the doctrine of grace or justification. That's handled by Paul in other, in other books, but James is a man of action. He even says, look, don't just be hearers only, but be doers of the word. He, he is a man of action, and according to James, there's about two or three main highlight themes of the book of James. Now, I want to give you an intro so you understand. Because the book of James has about two or three main highlighted themes. Number one, and not in any order, he, 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 
he purposed on recognizing the social issues of the day. That's why he said, uh, uh, pure and undefiled religion, James said, is this, to what? Visit the, the, the orphans, right? With the widows and, and in time of need and to be blameless from the world. So he's addressing these social issues, right? He's really, according to faith, uh, sorry, to James, any faith that did not have addressing the social issue of the time, the injustice of the time, by action, come on, preach, amen, by action, by acts of love, and spiritual maturity and growth was dead faith, according to James. Now, I say this because it is abnormal and it's not the will of God for Christians to stop growing spiritually. The day that we feel we have arrived is the day that we stop growing. Amen. The day that we have found out that we, have, we, we don't need no, lo- no longer tutoring or no longer reading other books to, to grow ourselves, to expand ourselves, is the day that we stop growing. The day we feel we have arrived is the day we will fall. The Bible says, be careful lest you think you stand, lest you fall. And so you, we, we have to understand this dynamic and watch this. I am convinced while stuttering, st- stuttering, studying, studying scripture for many years that trials, hear me now, and tribulations are allowed on purpose, not as a side avenue or side road to get you to maturity. is one of the main roads to lead you to maturity. I want to say that again. Your fiery afflictions, your, your hurtful, painful trials, your, your contentions with people, God is allowing your financial trials, your relational trials, your marital trials. God is allowing that for a purpose, not because he's trying to teach you a, a bad lesson or punish you. He's trying to grow you and mature you. And that is one of the main instruments he uses. Hear me. Because in, the, in this whole area, the high, the, he highlights trials and, and tribulation as key components of spiritual maturity. I want you to put the first slide up here. The Lord uses trials and tribulations in our lives as the spiritual gym, the spiritual gymnasium, everybody say gym, to strengthen our character and integrity. I'm going to read that again. The Lord uses trials and tribulation in our lives as the spiritual gym, the gymnasium, to strengthen our character and integrity. Listen, I wish all I had to do to get a six-pack and lose 20, 30 pounds is just pray, and the next day it will be gone. I wish I could do that because, it, watch this now, it requires no suffering. When you go to the gym and you get fit, you have to cut back and it, you have to suffer pain. You have to suffer pain of the rigorousness of the gym, of cutting back your appetite, of, of calluses in your hand. Come on, somebody. Of, of joint problems because you're continually going to the gym, the, but the painful process is producing stronger muscles in you. It's the pain and the trials that God uses as a spiritual gym to get you to a place of maturity. Now, this is amazing because James indicates that the, 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 the testing of our, of our of the, sorry, the, t- the trials in our life test our faith. Watch this. It tests our faith. And you know what testing our faith does? It produces a strong character trait of patience being strong in us. Oh, help me, Jesus. You know... You know what patience is? Patience is the ability to endure negative 
things in your life without the outburst and manifestation of negative emotions, of negative emotions. Did you hear what I just said? You should have shouted right there. Patience is the ability to endure long, uh, painful, stressful, tough situations or realities in your life without the manifestation or the glaringness of negative emotions. How many times do we go through stuff and we, ah, and we let it out? Listen, that's why in the King James language, sometimes patience, oh God, help me, Jesus, is called long-suffering. Because you suffer long. Well, come on, Pastor. No, no, no. In the King James Version, it's long-suffering. Patient, now, now here, you have to hear this, because patience actually says when your patience is developed, watch this, this is going to blow your mind. The Bible says you will lack nothing. Nothing. When your patience is developed, you said, he says you will be perfect or mature, lacking nothing. Now that, that is a pretty powerful statement. Now, if you have ever gone to the gym... Like, you could tell I go to the gym. <laughs> Come on, don't laugh at me like that. Come on now. <laughs> if you've ever, <laughs> my wife's like, hey, no, no, no. <laughs> if you ever go to the gym and you ever intentionally try to work out, here's what's, here's, here's what's going to happen. The reason you go to the gym is to get healthy. Say healthy. Spiritual health is the same way. To get you spiritually healthy, God takes you, takes you to the gym called trials and tribulations. To take to amen, to get you spiritually healthy and strong, the Lord takes you to a free membership of life called the gymnasium of trials and tribulation. Because he has a purpose to grow you, because he doesn't want you to stay in the same level. What would you think of me if I come out preaching in diapers? You laugh because that's abnormal. Pastor George, hi, how you doing? Why is everybody not listening to me? Stop it. You'd be like, I ain't going back to this church. Why? Because it's abnormal to know, to see someone that should be somewhere in their walk with God, not perfect, to not act a certain way. In the same sense, God expects growth. And because he loves you so much, he'll put you into the gym for free. No membership. As a matter of fact, if you're alive, you're a member of this gym. And, it, and it's interesting because in order for you to get to the end result of losing a lot of weight and getting healthy, you have to go through pain to get there. And just as much as a person that has a physical gym uh, and, and dedicated to that, that process to get healthy, so it is in the spiritual realm. He uses trials and tribulations to get us to grow up and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our very own uh, Sam, he's here. He's an amazing Sam. is our young adult director along with Natalie. And I told him, I, I, had, this, I had this thought in my head the other day, and I, and I said, while I was preparing, I said, Sam, if you don't mind, I may, it may be a little embarrassing, but you know what? We, we, we should not be embarrassed to tell people where we came from because it shows the power of God. I tell my friends all the time about Donnie. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I'm not going to be specific. <laughs> He's like, don't tell him. He has told me parts of his testimony that when you, like, this is Pastor Donnie, that you're like jaw dropped to the floor. You're like, no way. I'm talking about heavy, heavy stuff that I, I, you, you, see like, you see like in The Godfather. 
And, but, but he's like, and he's so calm, he's so glad, and, I, and he's like, well, I don't want to talk about my testimony. I go, Donnie, do you realize that you're so f- night and day far from that, that it, do- it gives glory to God to see how far you've come, because you don't even have the tendencies to that. Well, I, I, I was praying, I asked, I said, I said, I said, Sam, can you give me some pictures of your transformation of when you were just about a year ago, he was about 265 pounds. And he decided he was out of shape. His health was, he was having health problems. And he goes, I have to decide to do something about it. But how many know when you decide to do something about it in the spiritual realm, God will throw those, allow those fiery trials to get you stronger so that in the future you could overcome even greater things. Look at the process. And I want you to see it physically, but I also want you to see this process in your mind spiritually. Because some of you are saying, why am I going through what I'm going through? Because he's trying to get you spiritual six apps, six packs, <laughs> six apps. He's trying to get you spiritually strong so that you won't watch this fall over every wind of doctrine. That's tossed to and fro like a baby. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I, 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 I acted like a child. But when I became a man, watch this, I put away childish things. That's maturity. Are you still crying about the same thing you used to cry about when you first got saved? Preach, Pastor George. Are you still complaining about the same things that you've been struggling with for 15 years now? Yeah, there's grace, but there's time that you have to say, enough is enough. I'm not going to keep going like this. i got to grow up. You can't stay in the same level. Ask yourself what you keep yielding to, what you keep complaining about, what you keep saying to yourself. How you talk about people, that's part of growing up too. I want you to put the first uh, picture up. I want you, he said, look at this. I just want you to see the transformation, right? This is, this is our very own. I love you, man. And, and this is with Rick Pino, and this is, what, what 265 pounds, right? He said, he said I could, wear, so, don't, so don't be nasty at me getting emails. He said I could put this up, okay? Look at the next, look at the next slide. Look at the, the process. So he started, he wanted to do something about it, so he went to the gym. Now look at this. Now watch, I want you to see. Because of the, 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 the time that he has to go to the gym to get fit and to lose all the, the, the bad weight and to, uh, uh, to even decrease maybe his bad sugar levels or cholesterol levels, he had to go through a painful process. Come on, church. He had to go through a painful process called the gymnasium. Now watch this. Look at that. Look at the next. Look. These are all results. Watch this. Of dead. He could have said this is too painful. But you know what? If he would have stopped, he wouldn't have got the results. Look. Look at. Look at the next one. So here he is. He's lifting. He's dedicated. Right. Now watch this. Look at the last one. Look at him now. Come on, Holy Ghost. Woo! Hey, hey. I permit guns in church right now. Glory to God. Now, now, why do I say that? Because you saw a transformation of health, but it took pain to get there. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's the trials and tribulation and the fiery things that you're going through right now that is setting you up to lose all that excess weight in the spirit so that you could fly and soar in the spirit realm and be healthy in the spirit. But he uses trials to get you there because that's the gym. Hello? That is the gym. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's committed to your growth. He's committed to your maturity. And I said this before and I say it again. God loves everyone. He loves even the immature believer. But he can't trust great responsibilities to the immature believer because the immature believer, in their genuine immaturity, they don't do it on purpose, but they will wound people and they will be cranky and selfish all the time. But a mature person starts looking like Christ more and more and more. 
And the more you're faithful, the more you, the Lord allow, you allow the Lord to mature you through painful trials. Believe me, I know that. I know what it is. In my personal life, I know what it is. I was talking to somebody to, uh, the other day. It was a couple weeks ago. And uh, they were from another church. And they were saying stuff um, that what, what happened in their former church. Um, it was, it was a, some other church. And my wife and I said, you know, now that we're senior pastors, we look at senior pastors differently. It got quiet up in here. I, I, I have more grace for senior pastors because of what I've inflicted and what I have felt going through that stretching time. And it's glorious because God is stretching all of us. But I have more grace now. Why? Because of the fact that the Lord is putting all of us in the gym. Can I hear an amen? Now, this is really powerful. If you look at James verse 5, I want you to see something, all right? I want you to see something in James verse 4, uh, two, uh, sorry, 1 verse 5. Now, wisdom, listen, everybody say wisdom. You could quote this scripture. I used to quote this scripture out of context all the time. Now, I want you to see something here because, yes, you could use wisdom for finances. Yes, you could use wisdom or ask for wisdom of how to raise your child. Yes, you could ask for wisdom of how to run your ministry role. But I want to tell you something really powerful here. That is not the context that James was talking about. So can you use wisdom in all those areas? Everybody say yes. Do you know what, see, when you read the Bible and the Scripture, you have to understand that it was one stream of thought in that chapter. So he just didn't talk about trials and then talk about wisdom as if he bumped his head and say, hey, let's change the subject. The very next verse, after saying trials produces faith that, that strengthens your patience, the very next verse says this, and if any of you lack wisdom, well, I'm going to preach a little bit right now, not right now. Let him ask of God. Do you know what the wisdom he's talking about? The wisdom you ask in the midst of going through the trial. You know why? Because if you don't understand the season of your trial and you don't have wisdom, you will be cranky and you will mess the plan of God up because you'll blame everything of what you're going through. And God says, and, and James says, you need wisdom in the midst of your trials or else you'll react wrongly. Come on. The wisdom that, that James is talking about is not just, just some random general wisdom to, to, to help you with, raise your kids. Yes, you could apply that. But in this context, he's saying, you need wisdom when you're going through trials. Oh, oh come on, man. You need wisdom because if you are human in this place, there's a tendency in your flesh to question God or question if you're doing something wrong or question if you're sinning, all this stuff, if God loves you while you're going through this fiery trial. Preach. Say amen. This is the wisdom that God is talking about here. He's talking about how, how this wisdom is needed for trials. And then he continued, again, I used to quote this all the time with any other context. But in this context, you know what the Bible says? As a result of, if you don't apply wisdom during trials, look at me. There's an immature trait that comes out of you called doubt. Faith, trials. Strengthen your faith. Here's the order. Trials, say trials. Test, he said, count on all joy when you fall into various trials, for it strengthens your faith. Faith produces patience, lacking nothing. And then he says, ask wisdom when you're going through those trials or else you'll start cursing me in the process. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And then if you don't have wisdom during your trial, say during your trial. Say during my trial, I need wisdom. So I won't lash out. Come on. So I won't lash out at people, at God or whatever. Look at what produces when you don't have wisdom. This is all connected together, not some random other preaching, other topic that James is talking about. I used to read that for years and just like, okay, this is random that he's talking about. That. No, it all goes together concerning trials in your life. Look at what it says. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally. Look at, look at verse 6. Come on. But let him ask in faith. Ask, ask what? Ask wisdom. Ask God for wisdom during trials. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. With no doubting. Do you know why he says no doubting? Because the number one thing that attempts to control you and possess your, your mind and your thoughts when you're going through trials and you feel like you're not having any escape from it is doubt. He says, when you go through trials, you will have a little seed that tries to pop up. If you don't ask for wisdom, you will start doubting the promises of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God, and the purposes of God for your life. Come on, you know I'm preaching to you because I'm preaching to me. The, the doubt, so here's the thing. Faith quenches doubt, but doubt has the power to quench faith. Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible says, could not do many miracles in Nazareth because of their lack of faith, or Jerusalem because of their lack of faith. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, could do anything. And so doubt, watch what he says. He says it's like an unstable person. Don't think that person will receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. I'm like, calm down, James. James, James is not the American church. James starts off by saying, count it all joy. Why? Listen, you know what the Bible says? For the joy that was set before Jesus, watch this, he endured the cross. In other words, pain. What was the joy? His revelation of the end result of his suffering. Oh, glory to God. Do you see that? Some of us, the reason why we're quitting so, so quickly during the midst of the trials, that we don't have a revelation of what it's doing in us and the future of us. Do you understand that there's a process involved in your growth? Come on, say amen. Say amen. I remember reading a story one time of a, of a person that needed, um, that was in uh, scholastics and he was uh, having uh, this uh, elementary type of, or foundational time of, of uh, sports and so they had all these athletes that were trying out for different sports and they, some of them were just starting off in sports and so they were just used to only a whistle right uh, for the referee to to say something and then they would move and, they, and this these people that were just new in sports were only trained to hear the sound of a whistle well one time the people said well, look we're going to mix it up the officials started bringing other instruments to signal their form of 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 sound when it comes to a certain sport. So one of the officials came, and while they were about to run, they shot a shotgun in there and went, pow! And so one of the, the kids were, like, freaking out. They thought it was, like, a gunfire. Went to his car, started calling his parents, said, there's gunshots in the school. When all the gunshot was was a signal to, let, to start the athletes to start running. The moral of the story is when you don't have wisdom in the sense of your trials and we're immature, maybe even as babies, we will misunderstand the sound of trials and go running in crisis in a panic. We have to be familiar with the sound of the spiritual trial so we won't run in panic when the trial comes. Um, I'm going to say this. God uses trials not to punish you, but to mature you. God, th listen, the wilderness seems hard when you're going through it. 
But if Jesus had to go through the wilderness before he started his ministry, what do you think we're exempt from going through the wilderness before something powerful happens through us? The wilderness was a very tough season for Jesus, and I have news for you. It wasn't the devil that led him. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, and the Bible says afterwards he came out with the power of the Spirit. It was the spiritual gym. Trials are your spiritual gym to grow up past the level that you've been and to grow up in maturity. Come on, say amen. Put that slide up there, Zach, that second slide. God does not use trials. I want you to write this down. To punish you, he uses trials to mature you. Come on, say maturity. Say maturity. So how do we know how to measure our strength? Have you guys ever asked yourself how much strength of God do you have? I mean, no one can take a measuring tape and measure your strength. You can't be like, "Mm, my strength today is about four feet. Yep, that's good. No, how do you measure your strength? Does anybody know? I'm going to give you a couple of clues. They're not the only clues. Here's how you measure how much strength you really have from the Lord inside of you. Number one, how much joy do you have inside of you remaining after you've gone through a trial? Listen to me carefully. How much joy is still in you, expressed in you for the Lord when you're going through a trial? Because here's what happens, at least to me, when you're going through a trial. It sticks like glue to your mind. And you find yourself thinking more about the trial than getting away with Jesus. And, and that's the enemy's goal, is to use the trial to make you think about that over and over and over. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit here. And you, and you think about that trial, and if you're not careful, Jesus wants you to still enjoy him in the midst of your trial so you can get your mind off of that trial and onto him. Do you realize? So how, how do you know this, Pastor George? Do you know that what Nehemiah had the audacity to say to the people of Israel when they were struggling? They were legitimately struggling. It's like, it's like you see someone struggling, you're like, hey, be happy. You're like, man, have a little patience with me. Do you know what Nehemiah said to the children of Israel when they were very sorrowful? He goes, don't be sorrowful, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. During the midst of accusations, during the midst of Sambalot and Tobiah saying, uh, trying to destroy the work of the Lord, he says, hey guys, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness may be temporary, but joy is eternal. How much, so ask yourself, how, this is how you measure your strength. How much joy for life, I'm going to just, I'm going to say it differently. How much joy for the Lord do you still have when you're going through injustice in your life? How much joy is remaining in your life when you're going through injustice or pain or trial with your children in your life? How much joy do you really have? Secondly, are you ready? You want you to write this down. Secondly, well, this is good stuff. How many are getting something this morning? Secondly, You measure your strength, I want you to write this down, by how you respond to crisis. Watch this. I know it got quiet in here, but it's okay. You could get quiet. Just don't hate me. Proverbs 24, verse 10. Look at what Proverbs 24, verse 10 says. Hear me now. Hear me now. I feel I need to drive this home today. Proverbs 24, verse 10. How do you measure your strength? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I'm going to let that sink in. This is not Pastor George rebuking you. This is not Pastor George telling you something mean. It's Jesus in his word telling you. How do you measure your strength? If you fall in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, adversity exists to strengthen you. Let that heal you. You can either look at this half 
half empty or half full. I choose to say, this is good news. I said, this is good news. Because it's telling you there is an area of our lives that we keep falling in, but he's trying to strengthen us. And that's why, that's why the Lord told Moses, tell these guys, how long will you continue to circle this mountain? How many times? You've heard it before, but I'll say it again. Theologians have said it would take 11 or 13 days for the children of Israel, if they had a compass, to get out of the wilderness and into the promised land. It took 40 years because they never got it right, and God kept trying to teach them a lesson. Oh, please don't do that to me, Lord. Let me learn, even through affliction and hurt. I want to learn, and I want to get it right now. Come on, say amen. Say amen. So tribulations and trials, bad news, afflictions, are the tools in the hands of the enemy. In about two minutes, I'm going to have the worship team come up here. It could be tools in the hands of, of, of two different people. Number one, trials, tribulations, fiery trials. Do you know that the Bible actually differentiates trials and then fiery trials? There's trials and there's fiery trials. How many have been through some fiery trials? Trials could be tools in the hands of two different people, depending, are you ready for this? This is powerful, on how you respond. Either it could be a tool for you to be shaped into the image of the devil. This is true. If you let it. Or it could be a tool in God's hands to shape you into Christ-likeness. To look more like Christ. Come on. Come on. Watch this. If you respond negatively, you'll bear the image of the accuser. If you respond positively, you'll start looking like Jesus. I, I, I said a story uh, many months ago that is worth saying again. I need the worship team to come up here, please. The, the entire worship team, I would love, I need you to be here. I shared a story several months ago. Are you getting something this morning? Listen to me, listen to me. I feel very strong in my spirit about what I'm saying right now. There was a story that I shared several months ago when we were at the school, but I feel led to say it again. Put that, put that slide, that slide up, that last slide, Zach, and, and I want to share something with you. I want to try to hurry up because we have a 15-minute video that is really powerful that, that ties to my messages. God's going to minister to you. How many feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Fiery trials and painful trials, watch this, are invitations for the Lord to shape Christ-likeness in you. Hear me. Is anybody awake? Is anybody alive? Fiery and painful trials are invitations. Say invitations. Say invitations. Say invitations. For the Lord to shape Christ-likeness in you. Watch this. Watch this. I shared a story many months ago that though there's many new people here, so I'm going to share it again. Of a blacksmith that was putting, making weapons by metal. He was making weapons and he was making uh, 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 axes and swords and shields and all these pointed uh, weapons through fire and lava. If you know anything about blacksmiths back in the day, they would take metal and they would put it into the hot, hot lava that would actually start melting the metal. Listen to me. Don't get distracted. And then he would hammer it. If the metal was alive, he would be like, oh, 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 shaping it to its desire. Watch this. 
So there was a, a time where a, a, a boy came to, to uh, a class came to see the blacksmith, and he saw the blacksmith putting some metal into the lava and then shaping it into a sword, and then it was super hot, and he would keep going like this and keep going like this and keep going like this, and it would be hot, and then he would finally shape it to the desired instrument. So the, the boy said to the blacksmith, excuse me, sir, how do you make this weapon? How do you make this from, from, from lava? How do you do this? And the blacksmith goes, well, I put this metal that, actually, there was one version that says that nobody wants, because a lot of it, it was like scrap no metal, like, like leftover metal. That's, that could preach right there. Pieces of metal that nobody wants. Rejected, nobody wants. And I take it, and I put it in the fire. I put it in the fire, and I mold it to being a powerful instrument. He says this to the child. He goes, he goes if, you, if, you, if I keep it there uh, just a little bit longer than I should, everything that I've worked so hard to shape this instrument becomes liquid, and the lava melts it completely. And, of course, you can imagine the child had his eyes, eyes open and said, then how do you know when to pull it out? How, how do you know when to pull that metal out? Do you have an alarm? Do you have some sort of system that says it's time to pull the, the, the metal out? He goes, I don't have an alarm. He goes, I have one thing that I keep looking. Every time I put that metal in, I keep looking at it and to see if I see my image. The, if I don't see my image, it's not time to take it out the fire. But when I see my image, that's when I know it's been complete and I no longer have to put it in the fire. Jesus is putting you in the fire, in the lava, and you're that metal and you're saying, please hurry up, please hurry up, this is so painful. He goes, you're not looking like me yet, you're on the way though, but when, I'm not going to forget about you at just the right time. I'm taking you out because the goal is you and I are going to look like each other. Come on, come on. But it's not easy. We all want to be like Christ. I used to quote the scripture halfway because I knew if I quoted it full way, I would be inviting suffering. I'd be like, Lord, like Paul said, that I may know you. And that's it. I just want to know you. Now let, let's quote the whole scripture. Lord, that I may know you and the fellowship of his sufferings. What? Who would, who would invite suffering? Because he knows that the trial is going to shape him to be humble and to be more like Christ. More like Christ. Glory to God. I said glory to God. It's painful to experience the fiery trials of health. It's painful to experience the fiery trials of family. It's painful to experience the fiery trials of relational conflicts. It's, it's painful to experience the fiery trials of injustice in your life, financial burdens, the criticism of others. It's painful to experience hurtful words from others. But there's a purpose involved. You know what he's doing? He's stretching you. You know what he said in Isaiah 54? He said, sing, O barren. Then he says, you shall stretch out your cords. You shall stretch out your tents. It's painful. Have you ever been, if you're like me, I don't like to stretch. What happens when you don't stretch? And, and then you start uh, thinking that you're the man, right, or the woman. And you start, you haven't stretched in years. And you start running. You're like, I'll have a, you know why? Because without stretching, I'm going to hear you, the watch this. 
you, without stretching, you're actually setting yourself up for injury. The Lord stretches you so that you won't be set up to hurt yourself more in the future. When you stretch a, a muscle, at first it's hard. At first it's, it's very hard. If you're like me, I can't stretch past this right here. Like if you tell me right now to touch my, my feet, I'm like, oh my God. It really, really hurts. But the more I stretch, the more it hurts. So guess what? The more I, flexible I become and the more adaptable I come to stretching so I won't break under pressure. The Lord stretches. Have you ever, have you ever had a rubber band that you, that's just been door, uh, in, the, in the closet collecting dust and then you have rubber bands that are used to being stretched? What's the difference? Come on, you, you're smart. I've done that before. I, I've used a rubber band when it was just collecting dust and it had not been stretched or pulled. Come on, somebody. And I look at it, and I'm trying to put some, th th this rubber band over some cards. And it goes, snap, break, snap, break. I'm like, oh, my God. I went through like five different, different rubber bands because they've never been stretched before, and they broke under pressure. But you take a rubber band that's been stretched for a while, and it can stretch far. Come on, man. Come on. I'm going to share one, one, one scripture here and two more scriptures, then I'm going to share this video, okay? Are you with me? The stretching and the trials. The painful tribulation we walk through in life is ultimately for one main reason. Are you ready for this? I'm going to close with these two scriptures. And I want to watch, have you watch a video. To teach you and I, are you ready for this? Obedience. Oh, Pastor George, that's not scriptural. Yes, it is. I'm glad you said that. Look at the scripture. Watch this. This is crazy. In Hebrews. Look at, turn with me in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5. Now, if anybody would be exempt from suffering, you would think it would be Jesus, the Son of God. I want you to see the reason for trials. Hear me now. God is on a journey with you. I said he's on a journey. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Look at verse 6. Keep going. As he says in another place, you are a priest according, forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Talking about Jesus here. Who in the days of his flesh, he's talking about Jesus, he had, when he had, watched this, offered up, this is the Son of God. When he had offered up prayers and supplication, listen, 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 with vehement cries. This is the Son of God. Vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was hurt because of his godly fear. Are you ready to get smacked with this? Though he was a son, woo, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. What? What? The Son of God, Son of God, Jesus, learned obedience through what he suffered. He actually learned it as a human being. Yes, he's fully God, but he was fully man. Do you realize that if the Son of God had to endure and learn obedience to the things he suffers, the Lord is trying to teach you, you and I something. So he watches, he can instill obedience in you. You will get to a place in, in your maturity and your walk with God that you will no longer allow feelings to be an indicator whether you'll be obedient or not. You will get to a place in your walk. Do you think it was easy for me to be obedient, to launch out in faith, and to have the, 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 all this, I went through wars and wars and wars and wars. It's just, oh my God, no, uh, uh, uh. But he was allowing that to teach me obedience. And I want you to turn that, that scripture in, in Acts. Do you want to see how God, how the Lord 
sorry, how Paul encouraged and exhorted new believers that he just preached to to continue in the faith. You would think the American version of, of encouraging believers that just got saved is, hey, if you come to Jesus, you'll have no worries whatsoever. How many of you heard that? Hey, if you come to Jesus, you'll never have any pain. Yeah, sure, he's going to heal you of your pain. But there are certain trials that you will have to go through. Look at how Paul the Apostle encourages new believers. I'm like, this is not a good sales pitch, Paul. New believers to continue in the faith. Are you ready? And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Watch this. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting or, or encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, ready? Here's the really great slogan. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> Can you hey, guys, come over here. You just got saved. Hey, I want to encourage you with something. Man, this is going to be awesome. You're going to keep going through trials. This is just the beginning. This is only the beginning. You're going to keep going through it because we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom. That almost seems like, give me the good news. That is the good news. The good news is that you won't be shocked with things happening to you because you know. That's why Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 said, Beloved, don't discount the fiery trials that are about to try you. Watch this. As if though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, this is not strange. This is the gym. We all signed up for it. And we're all in a process of growth. How many... How many of, in a second, I'm going to ask you guys to, to lower that for the video. I am going a little longer today, so please forgive me. I want you to see this video. I want you to have this video set. How many know who Bob Sorge is? How many know who Bob Sorge is? Raise your hand if you know who Bob Sorge is. Bob Sorge is a very renowned, known uh, worship leader, pastor. Hear me. If you know him, he's very, very strong in his books. If you read his books, it's changed our lives. In 1993 and 94, he went through some of the most devastating things of his life. And I want you to see this 13-minute video, then we're going to pray for you, okay? If you can, if you can't see the screen, I encourage you, seriously, move up front just for this last portion. I want you to see this. Now, I want you, Godwin, to, to put this up because... He lost, he's, he's not been able to speak for over 20-something years. He has uh, ruined vocal cords through ulcers that happen, and it damaged the entire vocal cord. So even when he speaks in churches, they have to have special equipment for him so you could hear him. So I want you to hear this because God, watch this, look at me, has not forgotten about you in your trial. All right, go ahead and roll that up, and let's put the volume up. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.